Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Emrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. This is a special series called Products Live on Mind Valley, where speakers share their passion uncensored. What is conscious caregiving for animals? Journey with us, three kindred spirits from three different countries, Emrys Wang from Singapore, Dr. Isla Fishburne from the UK, and Julianne Lee DCH from Canada, as we explore and discuss what it means to be a conscious caregiver for animals. We will meet every first Thursday of the month at 2pm EST as our commitment to share and discuss these ideas with the Mind Valley community. Thank you for being part of our Conscious Caregiving Circle. This podcast has been edited for general publication. We are, I'm Amrys Wang from Singapore. Um, Isla Fishburne is from the UK. Julianne Lee is from Canada. Um, she's the founder and owner of Adored Beast Apothecary. And Isla is our, our own special residential shamanic practitioner, um, whom I love and adore very, very much. Um, she's a specialist in um, canine wellness in the UK. If I was in the UK, I would be going for your workshops, honestly. <laughs> I'm just in the wrong country, in the wrong part of the world. Um, today, we will be talking about vibrational health. So Isla's going to start the conversation by talking about you are one vibration away. Thank you. Thank you, Amaris. Uh, yeah, welcome Melanie and Ronnie as well. Um, and great introduction of um, yeah, sharing that I'm a shamanic practitioner. I have recently, like literally about two days ago, come back from a very intensive shamanic summer camp. So I'm, I'm just saying to the girls that I'm just arriving and landing still. And um, yeah, still feeling very much in that space rather than kind of being back to, to real life. So yeah, my start of the, the call today, uh, as we kind of delved more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper into conscious caregiving for our animal friends, whether it's canine, feline, equine, or hamsters, gerbils, guinea pigs, fish, whatever, the whole concept of fundamentally, when we break everything down to the final finite kind of fundamental particle that we all are we are all just energy and vibration and the, the real importance of understanding this when we coexist with an animal um in our homes and our lands and um, in our environment because with being a vibration of frequency our day-to-day -day life our own vibration our own frequency where we're at and our own wellness and our own health mentally physically emotionally spiritually is um having an effect on our animals. And of course, as a wellness practitioner, I want every animal, whether it's human or non-human, to be living their best life. And so one of the shares that I ended with last time that we met in Circle was the notion of that, understanding that we are just a vibration away. So I've just been away like I've explained. And so what I always say to my dogs, one of my dogs in particular really struggles when I go away. And so what I always say to her is that I am just a vibration away. So we can be hundreds of miles away, we can be thousands of miles away, but from a place of being vibration of frequency, everything's interconnected. And so when we tune into that process, when we tune into that place of rather than being driven by our mind, driven by our heart, that our heart is in that sense, it's a, it's a conductor, it is um, emitting a frequency, it's giving off a resonance that our animals can tune into, that we can tune into with our animals. And I remember sharing, it was only a few years ago, and it was a talk where I met um, Julianne Lee as well for the first time, where 
there was some studies done in the 1960s by the US Army. I'm not actually quite sure why they're doing these studies. It never they really digressed that, but there was these studies being done by the US Army where they were taking um, humans and they were taking um, swabs like DNA swabs from the saliva and monitoring the change in frequency of the DNA that belonged to those humans when the humans were taken like 120 miles away and even longer and those humans were shown different um, pictures, different film that would incite and instill different emotional states, sadness, fear, anger, grief, happiness, joy. Um, and for every emotional response that that human exhibited, depending on the movie that they were shown or the, the still, the picture that they were shown, and that evoked a different emotional response, a more different chemical response, a different vibrational response, their DNA in the lab that was 120 miles away also changed in frequency and response as well. And so I find that so profound. Like it's something that like when I read that, it's like, poof, like it, it blew my mind in a way of like, that's mind blowing, but of course it makes total sense. And this is what I really want to share today with the understanding of everything that we touch can we leave a trace, including our dogs and we're uh, dogs. I am a canine wellness practitioner. I will keep referring to dogs, but just do, default that to animals. I will try and keep saying animals. Um, but yeah, for our animals to say whether we have cats, dogs, even when we're touching our horses or any other animals that we may have in our home and um, on our lands and, um, having an awareness of that as well, like for our dogs in particular, there's a whole reason why dogs may do this beautiful shake off. And I'm certain that one of those reasons is because when we're stroking our dogs, depending on our own emotional state, I mean, from a scent perspective, depending on what scent we are leaving on our hands, but emotionally, the emotional state that we are in when we've touched our dogs, we're laying that down into those animals as well. So they've got to find their own way. They've got to have that free will and these choices and these availabilities to actually remove that from themselves as well as they are focusing on their own emotional health and their own vibrational health. We can massively affect their frequencies by what we bring into the home. Um, not only just by what we bring into the home, maybe kind of product wise and material wise, but also what we bring into the home just as ourselves, as the human, where our thoughts are at, our own emotional states, our own vibrational frequency. So there's that thing to consider, even if, for example, we're maybe I'm going to share this, but then don't go to work tomorrow and leave your job because that will get me into trouble. I don't want you to, I don't want to get myself into trouble. But even if we, you know, go to work and we don't really enjoy our job, it's not really satisfaction for us. So we're having a bit of a bad day that we are still connected to our dog, our animals. We can't, we can't separate from that. So this is an element of always delving deeper into the conscious part that we are showing up as and being a part of in providing the best care that we can for our animals, providing the best wellness needs for our animals, being consciously aware of how everything is a vibration and the the, the totality of that, because it's not really an intensity, it's not really a sophistication in that sense. I mean, it's complex because it's like, oh, it's like the web, it's just everything, the entire cosmos. But when we kind of are pulling it into the microcosm of you and your animal, knowing that where you are going and what is happening in that day, even though you're not at home, is still having a pull and having effect on, on your animal. And so that's why like I've been away, what I'll say to my dogs is like, guys, I'm just a vibration away. So what I do is whenever I am away, I find a quiet moment, whether, you know, sometimes it is actually sitting on the toilet, I'm gonna share that there, just a quiet moment where I can to be like, and whilst I'm in this space where nobody else is around, 
I'm going to check in with my animal. I'm going to check in with my dogs. I'm just going to make sure you're like, hey, are they okay? Whether this is completely new to you is a place of experiencing first and foremost and noticing what it is that you feel, what it is that you um, receive. Because it might be a particular smell. It might be a taste. It might be words. It might be a sound. It might be an image. And um, for me, it can be as intense as sometimes um, I'll end up seeing almost like the outline of one of my dogs, like running um, in the far distance because when we break down the physical being that we are and start to understand the vibrational being that we all are as well, that vibration can almost kind of be teleported wherever it needs to go. So our physical body is the part of our being that is stuck. Our physical body can't be in two places at once, but our vibrational being, our spirit, um, can be wherever it wants to go and um, through practice. But the first way we can start that practice is being conscious of it. If like, do you know what? Wow, when I am at work or when I'm out, I'm actually just going to pay a little bit more attention of simply first and foremost sharing with our dogs, our animals, just the vibration away. And then how does that feel by then connecting with our animal by going, wow, OK, as my heart beats, my animal's heart is also beating. And really like imagining for me from a shamanic perspective in 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 a shamanic perspective, um, imagination is so important we use our imagination to access information in the invisible world as it's called in the we live and exist in the visible in the visible but we also live and exist in the invisible and connecting to the invisible to connect our animals in this way through this conscious flow of of energy and frequency that we all are this conscious hub that is always conscious which is why we have like the conscious collective of all of life that we can tap into so even when we are not with our animals when they're at home even when not with our animals because maybe they have transitioned we can actually still have this energy cord that is constantly keeping us connected to them and being playful with that ah thank you sorry everybody i've got my cat ducky with me <laughs> she's actually quite demanding of my attention um, um i love that vibration um that's something i think from most people before COVID would be working, having like, would be commuting for jobs most of the time. But since the pandemic started, I think most people started to work from home. Um, I don't know where, how things are, um, where you are based, but in Singapore, it's still work from home status here. So a lot of pet owners are suddenly realizing like, wow, this is what it feels like to have, you know, my dog or my cat with me, um, all the time but when they used to go to work um there will always be the the thing about you know separation anxiety you know pet parents worrying about what's happening with their babies you know and then the animals are getting very anxious when they're left alone you know um i know like a lot of like say for canines they talk about dog behaviors like you know how how you're supposed to deal with that from a physical perspective you know like the the normal conventional toolkit um what you are talking about is an extra special toolkit which i'm very interested in you know when you mentioned it the first time i think that was like when i interviewed you like last year talking about vibrations and energies and that really hooked me in because um i do believe in that you know um that you can sense not just your animals but even like you know your loved ones uh, when you're far away, you when you sort of zoom in on them, you sort of like feel like, oh, are they okay? Are they not okay? You know, and that that is um, you would say 
we can all train to learn how to do that, right? Yeah, and it's a valid point. Yeah, now in the UK, I think we've got a lot more opening up. I mean, it might change again in the winter time, but um, yeah, most people are now commuting um, to work again. And and you're absolutely right with that, particularly for, for dogs when they're like, wow, well, it kind of went one of two ways. But for dogs, they're like, wow, my human's with me all the time and that's amazing. And then, yeah, the massive surge, massive influx of then dogs going to panic because when their humans were then just kind of going off food shopping or going back to work, having this separation anxiety to deal with. Um, but then it's the flip side of um, dogs being in the home where they are used to having that space and that stillness of like, wow, like, although I'm connected to my human all the time, in the home, it's, it's really loud, it's really intense in terms of, even if the house is quiet in terms of maybe the TV's not on, the radio's not on, but what I mean by the intensity and the loudness is how is that human, Where? what are the thoughts that are they having that like we talked about last time, as if that person is a, a worrier, is living in fear, is panicked about just life, is panicked about the pandemic, is panicked about the work that they have to do, is stressed because they have a deadline and they're now working from home Actually, that's, that's had a knock-on effect for animals where they're just like, wow, at least I kind of were able to diffuse while you're at the house and now they're thick in it. So it's like the fog has become even thicker rather than the fog's become thinner. So it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword almost. Like some dogs that are suffering more with separation anxiety now that their human is going back to work. Um, but some, some animals and some dogs, well, not just dogs, animals within the home that are like, wow, I actually can't get away from this noise vibration that you're creating because you, you're in the house a lot longer. And that can also create distress for the, the, the animal as well, when they're just like, wow, well, I'm struggling to, to rest even longer now. Um, but even yeah, for our dogs, I mean, separation anxiety is such a such a beautiful subject in the sense of, it's, I mean, it's not beautiful, no animal should have separation anxiety. It's a, it's a one that really pulls on our heartstrings, but because it is so specific to an individual, I mean, one individual might be, totally destroys the house and just literally is like some something like, a mountain lion's going to come in through a window and come and get me like that intense and some dogs it might be like they do a couple of barks and they settle down so you have such an eclectic mix and variation of of what that looks like for the animals and individual and then with that how to support the animal and and from my experience you know it first and foremost because i really appreciate from from a from a vibrational perspective you know i am a canine wellness practitioner i can i understand the behavioral aspect of things and the physical aspects of what i would our animals are as physical beings but from a vibrational perspective like the first protocol that I always share to people is like do you know what just practice just just try it just try use your imagination just try it and notice what you notice like share everything that I share is just like don't believe anything that I'm saying like go off and try it for yourself and just see what difference you see and so there's this beautiful even if you you know take a photo if you're going to work or if you're going off to the shops and need to leave your dog and you know, take a photo of your dog, have them on a key ring, take a photo from your phone and just sit for a moment and go, well, I can actually still, for some people it can be quite hard to visualize their animal in their mind's eye still and really see a clear picture. So when, when you're out, look at the picture of your animal or imagine, imagine a really small version of your animal in your, in your hands and that you're speaking to them and saying, guys, do you know what? I'm here. I literally am just a vibration away everything is safe, everything is fine. Because one of the things that ha can happen again vibrationally when we leave the house, if we know our dogs are gonna suffer with 
that anxiety and that distress is when we're leaving the house that's exactly what we're thinking oh are they going to be okay or oh, i feel really bad i feel really sorry for them then when we leave the house you know we're leaving the front door going you'll be all right like i'll be back soon don't worry you'll be okay and of course we're leaving them with an energy imprint an energetic imprint or signature almost around that door almost like a fog of going oh, you have cause to be concerned you have cause to worry because the human is then leaving the house is going over that threshold and is actually already hyper aroused they're already kind of emitting a vibrational response an emotional state like is one of worry and panic and concern and now the dog's like oh well now you've left the door uh now i'm in this this atmosphere and vibration of worry and panic and concern and and that's you know when when we look at separation anxiety it's something that isn't really talked about it it's very much about the dog how do we support the dog why does the dog feel separation why does the dog feel anxious how we can create some practical protocols to support the animal which are all valid they're all valid um but for me it's like again when we're looking at canine wellness we're looking at supporting our dogs and ourselves to have the best life possible it's not just the physical mental emotional aspect of what we are as beings it's also the spiritual aspect and for me the spiritual aspect is what does that soul need um as as the soul of that individual and therefore what is the vibrational support that we can give the animal because fundamentally like i've said when we break everything down to the fundamental particle that can't be kind of divided anymore it is just vibrational frequency that is what we all are julie what do you think Well, I agree with everything. I mean, Isla and I are on very similar wavelengths as both, you know, energetics, vibration. I, I have a different, um, I would say, ex experience from a perspective of having my vet hospital and seeing um, the physical manifestations of animals living in, 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 in our energies, right? So I think a long time ago when when dogs and cats and, and, and horses and stuff were had a little less, were a little less urbanized, it might've been different because, you know, I'm in England, I, I, when I was doing my program in England, it was the first time I ever heard of latch dogs or latch door dogs or gate latch dogs or something like that, where they basically in the morning let them go out and they would go to the villages and they would, you know, fight and have sex and kill groundhogs and do whatever. It's a similar thing happened to me growing up on a farm, right? Like our dogs went outside, our cats went outside. They, they, they weren't in our vibration and our energy as much as they are now, like in apartments and in, in, and even in urban, you know, going for walks on a leash in a city, things like that. Like we're, they're in our energies a lot more. So at my vet clinic, I would see things, you know, lots of different, pretty, pretty deep seated stuff from emotional stuff to cancer. And so many times I can't even tell you where things just didn't make sense for me. And I would be like, you're sure there's nothing different. Nothing's happening at home. And I could really try to get a sense of what was going on at home. And so often things were different, but people weren't even aware of it. Well, the only thing different is my daughter just went off to university, right? Or the only thing different is 
blah, 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 blah. Something that, that we weren't, people wouldn't be paying attention to, but dogs pay attention to everything. Cats pay attention to everything because they're, they're, they're less distracted by, you know, watching television and doing all that. They're, 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 um, their worlds are surrounded by us. So from, from a perspective of does our energy affect our animals from a like an actual physical point of view, a hundred percent it does. They, we, we, um, we can't expect an animal to be in a healthy state when they're living in, when they're living in, um, in an energetic field of, of worry or anger or sadness or anxiety. But when I say that, I really don't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, well then, you know, I'm not being fair to my animal or I'm not being kind to my animal. Because that's not, that's the, not the point. Because I have a very, very, very deep belief that every animal that comes into our lives comes into our lives to help us to give us a gift to allow us to become more aware so as the years go by we become more disconnected and we become less aware of our own energies so whether we're whether it's because of you know because of the amount of stress and anxiety that we're in as an, as a as a society but what I have found in my, in my hospital is that if I remember one, I'm just going to use this one case because it's, it speaks super clear. I've had thousands of cases like this, but I had a dog that was, I was, was working with a dog patient of mine. That was a, a dog that had um, uh, something called Addison's disease. And I was like, it's third vet clinic that it came to because they couldn't regulate, they couldn't regulate his uh, cortisol levels um, and his ad adrenaline by even the drugs that he was on. And these people adored this dog, like absolutely loved the dog. And finally, I just said to the woman, like, can you bring your whole family in? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not finding the, the, the piece here that's missing. People will do, many, many people will do anything for their animals. So they did. They brought, they brought the whole family in. And at the end of like a two hour session, I found out that the son was having some real issues with drugs and um, the family wasn't coping very well. And they were supposed to be getting counseling, but they wouldn't go for count to the two of the people in the family wouldn't go for counseling because they felt like it would, it doesn't matter, but the, the dog brought all of these people together to my clinic. And when they realized that what they were doing was contributing to the ill health of their animal, just energetically, every single one of them started with seeing counselors. It's like, I saw them, the dog started getting better. It started regulating on its drugs. And we were, then we started incorporating holistic medicine. And, and at the end of that year, I can tell you that family was was closer, more connected, less stressed, wound up being able to put tools in their lives that that affected the entire family. 
that's just one tiny little example of thousands and thousands of cases. So, so I feel like when Isla talks about that, what, what it does is it allows sometimes I'm, I can be as much as a fault of this as anybody else. And Isla knows me well that way is I will not pay attention to myself and I'll pay attention to my animals. I'll be so focused on what's going on with my animals that I forget about kind of what's going on with myself. And then I'll realize what I'm doing. And it's almost like they, like, we'll do more for our animals than we do for ourselves. So our animals will make us become more aware of our own, of our own issues, our own surroundings, our own energies. Are we taking care of ourselves? Are we meditating? Like my dog, my one dog, if I don't meditate, if I, if I all of a sudden forget to meditate because I'm just crazy, crazy busy at work or whatever, my dog will, will start to become reactive. And it's before I even realize that I'm less balanced, my dog becomes more reactive. And the second he does that, it's like, I'm realizing that I'm, I've, I'm not taking care of myself and my energies and, and who I am as a person. So a hundred percent, like, I feel like there's so much to learn about our own energies and what we do with our own energies and how that affects our animals. And I think that that's one of the main reasons why animals and nature is so important for our, for our overall health, overall health, our existence on the planet, like the energy of even of what our planet's going through. Like, you know, as an example, we're having a hurricane and like, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of rain. And then I was just on with a colleague and she's surrounded by fires, right? So even, even the energy of the planet right now and what's happening with that and how do we, I'm immunized, I'm sure you've got a ton to say about this, but how do we, how do we, how do we walk through that and not, and not, not, not be affected by it, but move through it and learn by it and reconnect with it and, and, and understand it. So, you know, and from an energetic point of view, my, I mean, I had a full, full practice with surgeries and physiotherapy and the whole nine yards. And our, our main modality of medicine was, was homeopathics and homeopathy is an energetic medicine. And, you know, you would be, you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't negate energy on any level. You know, we, we had a huge team in our hospital, but if an animal would come in, I had a patient come in, there was a dog that was stung by a bee and allergic to bees. It was a little dash hound and its face looked like a pug. Like you couldn't even see her eyes. Her, her nose was so swollen. She was blue. She was having a complete anaphylactic um, response and everyone was running around looking for the crash kit, like for the, for the drugs to give to her. And she was on the table and I just grabbed a homeopathic remedy called apis and, and aconite. And I just started rubbing it on her gums, the liquid on her gums. And the woman was standing there hysterical because she thought her dog was going to die. And she said, it literally looked like someone stuck a pin in her nose and you could you could visually see the edema starting to and her being able to breathe before the before they were even doing the injections so that's energy 
So we we just we're in a we're in a place where we didn't we ignored energy for a very long time. You know, quantum physics and everything were were something you know a while ago that people were interested in, and and it's doing full circle right now. We we just science and and what's so cool about it is that like you were saying with the science is backing it now. So energetics is becoming something that's very. Um, it's not woo woo anymore. It's not. It's it's really starting to be looked at from a scientific, the from the value from a scientific point of view. So from a physical aspect alone, you can see huge changes with with animals when when we're looking at the emotional energetics in a household for sure. Even from a perspective of what you watch on television. You know, like the violence and the noise and the and and even your energy, how your energy shifts when you're watching like um, the news, right? From my my mom had a cat, and if the news would come on, I'm not joking, if the news would come on, she would jump off my mom's knee and leave because she she could she would know my mom would get tense, right? So soon as the soon as the 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 whatever the beginning part of it would come on she would she would leave so no one should be feeling guilty about that we should just be looking at it as gifts for us to keep us healthy and then that keeps our animals healthy and our world healthy and our environment yeah i think um thank you i think because i'm just a pet parent you know, I'm not a professional expert like these two ladies are, but, you know, even like for me, because I'm an animal rescuer and I do, you know, I volunteer. So I bring in rescues and fosters in and out of my home all the time. And I know that it, it destabilizes the energies in, in the home every single time. So like my oldest cat, she's like 13 years old. She's actually, I feel sorry for her because, you know, like she's actually a loner cat. She mm. would honestly be very happy if everyone just dropped it and disappeared, you know, and moved out. You know, she just wants to be the queen and that's it. Just me, 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 you know? And, and I know every time when I bring in kittens to, to uh, bottle feed, even like some of the, some cats are sensitive, you know? Some cats are very curious and eager to see the newcomers. Then there are some who are just like, I don't want to have anything to do with these, you know. And the problem with being a rescuer, and I've learned this the hard way as well, is that, you know, we, we care so much and we want to save as much as we can. And we neglect our personal health, you know. Uh, we get so emotionally involved that we forget about taking care of ourselves, the very basic, you know, foundation of self-care, self-love. Um, I mean, like I spent so much money on rescue at one point where it was like affecting the rest of my life, you know, and it was a wake-up call for me when I said like, oh, okay, this is, this is, we're crossing the line between, you know, uh, uh, a person who wants to serve versus a person who is becoming obsessed and, and going down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and then becoming, um, what's the nice word for it? Medically unstable, you know, because 
hence the word crazy cat lady or you know um very emotionally erratic rescuer where you just don't give a crap about anything you keep taking in animals and you end up your home becomes becomes a hoarder situation when you're not careful and i've seen so many veteran rescuers uh, around me who you know they they Sorry, did, did my cat mute us? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> See, she doesn't like what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, you know, I think what we do and our intention, when we are not conscious and aware of what we're doing, um, we create a lot of vibrational ripples in the home, you know, and sometimes we don't realize that it, it's coming from us. I mean, like, I remember um, they will say before it becomes a physical manifestation, it always starts from the energy, energetic, spiritual level. So even without us consciously aware, when we are feeling all that stress, that worry, you know, our animals pick it up far. They're, they're like, our, like our thermometers, really. You know, they pick it up way before we even realize what's happening to us. And, you know, it's like I'm trying now, like for myself personally, to be more self-aware of what I say and do sometimes because I realize I get very intense or like because I'm, I'm not a perfect human being. So I've got a bad temper. I get very impatient as well. And if I start getting cranky or like if I start raising my voice, whoa, suddenly my dog, you know, before I even raise my voice my dog can pick it up and then she starts to to get very anxious and whine and she runs around you know and then people might think like okay this is a reactive dog but actually yes she's reacting to me it's not her you know there's nothing wrong with my dog it's me because i know that i'm on my own spiritual journey and i'm still working out the kinks or trying to be a conscious caregiver because I'm not perfect, you know. I, I really, I really feel that. What what would you say, like, you know, the two ladies, like how I just want to speak to when you were talking about about um emotional and like the emotional energy starts before the physical energy. It's true. It's very true. But for people that are out there watching this and, and like sort of like the science and the spiritual and the emotional thing, it isn't just that. Like what happens is that we get stressed and that's like from a science point of view, that stress triggers our adrenaline and our cortisol levels. Adrenaline and cortisol can literally be smelled by dogs and cats. Like, like animals smell and can smell fear, right? Fear or, or anger. It's how they survive. It's their survival mechanism. So when you, I heard Joe Dispenza one time talking about in, in, when we are in our ancestors, if we were going to be eaten by a saber toothed tiger, that is really truly when our adrenaline and our cortisol levels needed need a burst because we have to run fight hide whatever we we are really truly threatened 
but as we evolve, a th our bodies now can assume a threat being our co a coworker, someone that you have to sit across from every day. Our bodies now, the way our brains have been working and the way that we focus on like the negativity and stuff, that can, that can elicit the same amount of stress, cortisol and adrenaline as being truly, our bodies don't know what's different, that coworker or being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. So it's like you've got your foot on the gas pedal and the brake at the same time, physically. You wanna run, your body's going like, run, you're gonna die. And your other foot's going, no, stop, you're at work, you can't go anywhere. So you can just imagine physically what that does. It, it, it creates disease, it creates, creates inflammation, it creates your organs to work over time. It creates all kinds of physical diseases. So now we can actually, from a spiritual point of view, a million percent, our intention, our love, what Isla talks about, like being surrounded by that and emanating that, that, that energy. But we also can now take that and actually prove that scientifically that it actually physically makes us ill. So, and, and animals, animals sense that, right? So then they're sensing why, why are you, why are you in fight or flight when you're doing nothing but like making dinner and then you're making their dinner in fight or flight. So you're actually giving them that energy of you being scared and stressed and, and, and being unsafe, right? Right from, right from the get-go. Like there's so much more to, there's so much more to this. Like people, people look at this as being kind of like unscientific or too, too, too whatever. And it's, it's actually not true. We're, we're, we have the tools now, like you were saying, Isla, like with the swabs and stuff, like we have the tools to show what shamans and spiritual teachers and gurus and homeopaths and, and people that are into plant energy, what we've been saying for years and years and years and years now is actually, it's actually true. It actually physically happens. So may I say something? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. And I, I didn't get your name. I'm out on a deck and it's really oh, um, I'm sunny. Julie. Julie. Pardon me? Julie. Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. I'm uh, just want to jump in here and sorry if I'm intruding. Um, I'm a veterinarian as well and oh, retired. Hi. Yeah. And uh, I'm older than you, I'm sure. And I'm, uh, I'm actually in the business world now um, where I integrate life sciences um, knowledge into investment banking, which is not the point. The point is I was smiling so much, everything that you said. I mean, I, I, I would, I don't want to dominate this conversation. There's so much I can say about energy and animals. Uh, but, but, and I think everyone that's on this call, the very fact that they're on this call, there's a calling we all have. Veterinarians know it well. Rescuers would know what Isla is doing. Um, and you know that moment when you walk into an exam room, because I, I love sharing two moments with other veterinarians. You walk into an exam room and you are having a great day and, and everything goes swimmingly. The exams go swimmingly, you know, um, vaccinations go swimmingly, surgery goes swimmingly. You walk into that room and you've just had a fight with your spouse 
or your kids, or you got some bad news from the tax department, everything goes to shit. Like, it's just unbelievable. Like, dog tries to bite you, or worse, they try to bite the owner. Um, something goes wrong with the vax. It means something. And I was always just, and it would call me up on it when, when that would happen, where I'd have to go back and to what other people were saying, check on myself. Like, wait a second, it's me bringing this into this room. Um, that was one thing. And the other thing that I, I will say this till my dying day, the, the benefit a veterinarian has more than I, well, there's so many, but more than a physician is um, we for years have endorsed euthanasia when you get to the point where I've no return because why, why put that creature through suffering? So I think in fact, we've been more compassionate. Um, and in that moment of the purple needle going in and the animal dying, there is a moment, and I'd love to just see if you agree with me on this. I've always felt there is that moment where you put the pentobarbital in, it goes into the vein, two, three, four. Now, just before the animal dies, there's, a, there's, there's this sense of a, of a, of a lift of being, of being not forcibly, but gently taken. I can't describe it, but I'm just wondering if you've ever felt that. There we go. Not only have I felt it with animals, but I feel it with the whole energy of the room. Like we had a euthanasia room. So we didn't, I never did them on like tables or anything like that. We had a, a very specific room that had um, a leather ottoman and, or we would do it on the floor or in the couches so that people could not only be, the, the pet parents could not only be with them, but then we could just leave them. Because one thing I, I, I really was terrible, was awful when, is when an animal either dies or is, is euthanized, having to, to get that room back or, or it just being so, cold or or not having that space to be with that body because I feel like it takes a while for if ever Isla you could definitely speak to this um of it of it actually leaving I don't even I don't even like using the word leaving because I don't even know what I I truthfully don't even know what it is I mean with my animals, they've been, if they've been euthanized, I euthanize them at home. And it's as, as, as gory as it sounds, they stay in my, they stay in the living room or they stay where we've been, where we euthanize them. Some front, sometimes I've had animals in my house for two days and people are, are, are like so freaked out about that. They, I think they think that when something dies, they, they're going to like blow up or something. I, I, I just think we're so removed from the death process that we don't even understand what that's about. Like I let my animals, I, I let my other dogs and cats be around my animals. What after they've died, I, I, Absolutely. I, used, to do, I used to do that with my, with my clients is, is take, take them home and, and put them in your house. Like, don't worry. They're not going to decompose in, in 24 hours. Like nothing bad's going to happen. Um, but they're, they're definitely, and I know exactly what you're saying. There's this, there's this, sometimes I used to think is, was it, was it just the fact that they were, they were taken out of this, that suffering piece, 
right? But it's it's not just that because I've been around a lot of animals. My mom, my mom had a rescue, and my mom would take in animals that the SPCA SPCA would call, and they would say, "This animals come here. We're gonna have to euthanize them. Will you will she, will you just take them and be with them and and love them for?" Like my mom just would do that. She, even if she thought they would only need two days, my mom would take in these old dogs. She she rescued dogs. She would take in these old dogs and we, us kids, we'd be like, okay, mom's going to be gone now for two days. She would just take them and go into the bedroom and she would just be with them and just, and just love them. And what's so interesting, Isla, you would find this really interesting because then the vet would come, right? The vet would come and I would just be little. The vet would come and the vet would euthanize them. But after a while, that never had to happen. My mom would take them and they would just die. They would, a lot of the times, they wouldn't have to even be euthanized. With the, with the amount of love and the calmness and just that energy of being loved and, and nothing attached to it and no, like nothing, they would just die. I would say more, more often Julie, not. I apologize. I have to go, but that is amazing. Okay. I look forward to the next one. Thank you very much, okay. everybody. That was really amazing. I learned a lot. Okay, great. Thank you for showing. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. We have a recording of this, so it's okay for everyone. I live like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's almost like they were allowed. What? First of all, they were allowed to do what they needed to do. But also, there was like I said, it's, it was that my, I think my mom provided a space for them. I was too young to even figure this out. And I've talked to my mom a lot about it after that, but she said that she feels like it was just that she gave them that space. She held that space for them, not even knowing she wasn't a shaman. She wasn't anything. She was just, she was just someone that really adored, very mm -hmm. smart, brilliant woman that adored animals. So yeah, I mean, I, I've, I think, I think what she was talking about is really interesting because I've, I've, I've heard a lot with like Dr. Zach Bush and, and different doctors, emergency doctors that talk about that space between when someone dies, you know, and, and when people have been brought back after they've died or they haven't fully died and, and they're, and they're how many people have said the exact um had the exact same experiences almost you know which which is i mean this is not what this whole <laughs> this whole thing was supposed to be about but you know when you talk about just being a shell in the in us in us being energy you know um yeah i watched an incredible one where one doctor he actually he actually was pronounced dead he was he was actually a um a uh, neurologist and he the la the thing that rem reminded me the most or i remember the most what he said he said i have to be careful now because it was such an incredible experience not only am i, am I not afraid of it but i'm looking forward to it and i have to kind of you know this was a, a bunch of doctors talking and i have to be careful because now i'm like I'm not afraid to do anything. It's like, I'm not afraid to do anything. Like I'm almost like a daredevil now because I, I, um, 
I've had this experience and there were so many people with the same experiences. So yeah, that's an interesting thing that, that, that she said if of that, of that space of, of it being like, almost like a, this, this feeling of, of, of them not even going, but, but, you know, not dying, but leaving maybe. Would that be a better description, Isla? Yeah, I think it's um, a really great question that Melody brought in. And um, yeah, I'm going to share from, from my perspective, my experience, um, both my own personal experience, but also in the work that I do with dogs as well. That, that, that wasn't me groaning, by the way, that was Tungsila. Um And also, but before that, going back to kind of what we shared beforehand, um, the whole concept of, yeah, this is not about like the way that I work it's totally stripping back any judgment. So it always comes from a place of no judgment, no blame, no shame, because as humans, we are humans, as humans living in a Western society, so many of us grow up from such an early age, believing that there's something inherently wrong with us. So therefore our mind tries to look for evidence to go see, I'm a bad person here because I did this, see I'm a bad, but it's, it's nothing to do with that. It's all just about having an experience. So yeah, it's really important to share for people that are listening, particularly to the recording later, is this is not a place of, this is a place of sharing and caring and expanding our conscious awareness and connection to our animals, not about this is right, this is wrong, you should have done this, you shouldn't have done that, because this is, it's just all about experience and growing. And with that perspective, well, there's something along the line of kind of transitioning and passing, there is a beautiful work. Um, that you can do that's called a psychopomp so whether a, when a human passes when an animal has passed um, you can do from a shamanic perspective work that's called psychopomp and a psychopomp just it literally translates to spirit assist so you're assisting the spirit to now travel to the land of the ancestors or the land of spirit because it's the animal is now no longer physical it's now spirit um, so I do this for dogs. I also, I've actually done it for a horse and for a cat as well, but largely I do it for dogs. I've done it for a few humans as well, but canines in particular in some indigenous cultures are the, are the physical metaphor of the psychopomp. They will literally carry what it is we cannot as the human. So they absorb what it is we aren't able to carry. Or from the other perspective, the whole point of um, projections, reflections and mirrors. We are we have mirrors all around us when we start to realise them. Like Amra said, oh, sometimes I get frustrated and like then my dog starts to get really anxious or reactive. And it's this is there's such beautiful calling and agreement that our animals have of why they coexist with us. Of I would say to Amaris there, like I've said with one of my clients in the past, when she's like, oh, I love my dog so much, but I just get so impatient with them. So I would say, I mean, I wouldn't say this directly in this way, but after a few sessions, I'd be like, and let's look at this word that you keep using of impatience. Like, what is it about yourself that you're impatient of? What what happened to you in a past life or in your ancestry or in your childhood that makes you feel this irritation, that makes you feel this impatient, that make, makes you feel this ideal to be perfect? So that's the beautiful teachings that our animals were shows to have. And again, we can sometimes go down the path of then feeling bad for our animals. And it's not about feeling bad because remember, everything is a soul. I, I had this conversation with a client, literally, it was it was actually whilst I was away. She was sharing some information with me where she'd called in a, a dog trainer that just so happened they were they were just very 
um, conventional and therefore kind of very old school of the animal doesn't have a voice, the animal doesn't have a choice, the animal has to be controlled in that sense and she felt terrible and and, and she got really upset and I was like, you know what, I really hear what you're saying but also I'm not, I'm not saying what that trainer, that professional did was right because it's absolutely not right for the animal but everything has a soul so as we come into this existence of physical being our soul has already had an agreement to say this is what I am prepared to experience at this time so we forget that that applies to all animals it applies to everything that is living including a blade of grass as a blade of grass in as the physical blade of grass that is still an energy that is still a spirit it, it agrees to have an experience of what does it feel like to be stamped on to be pulled to be plucked to be eaten by a cow for example so from the dog's perspective the animal's perspective they've also agreed to have that experience with the human they're coexisting with at that time and so when we then look at the transitioning that's exactly what it is like we have been many things we will be many things our dog you've just seen Tunkasila come in there i i i connect shamanically whether you want to call it animal communication i yes i can communicate with her from that perspective but i also do deeper ceremonies with her and with dogs as one of my practices that i offer where i'm connecting to the animal soul where the animal has been many things and will be many things just right now her spirit is in the physical body of the dog that she is in and so this is beautiful um this beautiful experience where yes the spirit as the body is starting to shut down like the reality is we can never be destroyed because the soul can never be destroyed that's that, that's the reality the physical body can be destroyed and then it basically just breaks down to the physical components of hydrogen carbon and oxygen and that 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 fundamental particle of energy goes back into the earth and then just manifests as something else it, it still takes another another form and um, but the spirit can never be destroyed but when the animal is transitioning there's this beautiful split that it's coming it's kind of separating from from physical body from physical being and moving to spirit and i've had a really similar experience where i went many years ago now i actually at the time i didn't know how to burst appendix but i went five days with a burst appendix and i got to that place where i was having deep outer body experiences because my body my entire body was toxic it was full of poison and so it was it was shutting down um and so i didn't fully die on the operating table but i was very very close to death um, and so I had these very weird kind of near-death experiences, which once you've seen them, you cannot unsee what you've seen. Like when I work shamanically, I cannot, uns as a scientist, I still cannot unsee what I've seen. And so the, 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 the principle is that, yes, when an animal has, has transitioned, to just, just, just as the animal passes and the animal has, has recently passed, the spirit is still very close to the physical body which is why we have this awareness of like, wow, it's like I can still hear the animals in the house. It still feels like I've, I've just heard the, the dog bark or the, the animal make a noise because the spirit's still very close to the, to the physical body. And then that's what that's a few days later, the spirit just then eventually kind of trans, um, transforms back into the land of the ancestors. Now, sometimes we need to assist the animal if the animal, if it's been a shock, um, if... Um, yeah, if the animal's maybe, it's been an RTA, for example, the animal's been hit by a car, so it was a shock, that, that, that passing of that death. Or what can also happen is if the human, and I really speak from a place of sincerity here, I'm not, again, it's really important for me to say this is not a place of shame or blame or judgment, it's just sharing information that I hope will help. 
but if we if if we know it's time for our animal to pass very soon and we're like please don't leave me oh my goodness what am i going to do without you i'm not ready for you to go then that can mean that the animal's body will still end the physical body will still expire but the spirit cannot fully pass the land of the ancestors and that is actually a very um confusing place for the animal to be in which is why there is instruction that i offer to my clients when they're wanting this service of let's do a passing ceremony it's really important that all although it breaks our heart of course it does because we are not having the physical interaction with that dog because everything is spirit because everything is energy and vibration and frequency even when our animals pass we can still connect to them um and it once we get past that place of fear because like we are taught like julie says we are taught about love how we should celebrate love how we should feel feel love but we are taught about how we should fear death and death is also a process it's also a part of life that never ends it is cyclic it is cyclic it is cyclic so once we start to feel comfortable and i'm not saying it's easy it certainly isn't for many but once we feel comfortable with the concept of like wow it's like one of the shares i wish oh do you know what i bet i have got it so i just recently i just recently shared it one of the shares that i had with tunka Sila, um when i do like i do soul shares with her and even how she so beautifully described it is it's like our life is just a chapter in a book it's like our life is being at a university where we finish a degree but then we go off to do something else we go off to to do another degree or to get a, a, a profession our life is just a chapter in a massive book in one huge book that just constantly gets written more and more most more and more and more and more chapters get get created based on different life experiences from the spirit that we then that that we are that then jumps into the physical body whether it is of human whether it is cat whether it's of horse whether it's dog whether it's of tree whether it's of mushroom whether it's of stone or water everything has a spirit to have this psychic experience and so that's this beautiful you're right when i remember when cola passed and i did a passing sorry for, for ceremony for him and it got to the point where actually he did need um the vet to intervene with the injection but there was that moment where um you can there's an awareness of yeah that spirit's just leaving the body with that place of permission and so you nobody needs to be ashamed to do this nobody needs to 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 be indigenous in that sense like you've described about your mother julie of that was her purpose and she just knew intuitively instinctively her purpose for she would have many purposes but one of her purposes as the spiritual being that she is is to provide as a holding space holding space for those animals to go wow there is no expectations no conditions no give or take it is just a space where my body can go and my spirit can leave and it's almost like the the opposite of a birthing pool it's like a passing pool almost just the space of holding to go do you know what there is no conditions there is no expectations there are no rules there is no um um consequences here it's just a place that i'm holding so that you feel absolutely held and trusting and safe that your body your spirit can leave the body and freely go back to the land of the ancestors which is hugely important for any animal to to have yeah I think it's important for everybody. I think it's one thing that's missing so much from, from with people. I mean, I've I've heard now that there's there's gonna there there are more and more people out there now becoming deaf doulas. 
right? Which is, which is exactly that, you know, instead of being a birth doula, bringing someone into the life, you're a doula to help, to help the spirit move out of the body, right? So, um, yeah, well, energy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like for me as a rescuer, just last week, I had to assist uh, one of my community cats because he was very sick. He had cancer and it was his time to go. Uh, so we had to, um, we were very blessed that the vet allowed two volunteers to be present uh, during the euthanasia because they have this, you know, COVID contactless mm. policy at the moment. But um, they were very kind and compassionate about this. And um, I, well, we have a very simple ceremony for, for animals when, when we assist them. Uh, besides the vet, uh, we will actually use, um, we use Dr. Melissa Shelton's Animalio Essential Oils. So I would actually put it on, on me and on the, on the cat or the animal that is going to go. And then we spend some time, you know, just thanking the animal for, for being here you know, for teaching us, for, for being our guides, you know, and even though, and I always tell this, like, I'm going to miss you so much physically because, you know, you're so cute. Um, but I want to thank you and it's okay to go now. You know, you, you have served, you have taught us well, and I'm going to see you soon on the other side, you know? So I always, I always say like, you know, like give them permission to go. I always find that it's very important to give them permission to go because you can always see, especially with dogs or cats, like your pet, they, they are so loyal to you. They will stay on if they feel that you need them to stay on. And that's sometimes I feel that's why they drag on the, the, the illness physically, you know, and also until the pet parent is ready to let them go as well. Cause sometimes pet parents are in denial, you know, about when it's, when is the right time to let them go? Because they can't deal with death. And and I always try to tell my adoptive uh, adopters or, you know, friends, it's like, you know, you shouldn't fear death. It's a cycle. But And they're not gone, gone. The physical shell will be gone, but their spirit will always be with us. And we have to give them permission to go because they are so close to us, you know? They reflect how we feel. So if we struggle they they will they have that that struggle as you know that 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 struggle as well and that's not good i don't know i mean like i'm coming from a pet parent from a you know lay per person perspective i don't want to see them struggle unnecessarily you know that's why euthanasia to me is you're supposed to do it humanely when it's time i yeah, think no, so you're, you're... sorry sorry Julia. you go first it's i think that i think I think euthanasia and death could be a whole series, like a whole, a whole topic. Because when I come from a perspective of having a vet hospital, I see it differently. You know, I, 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 I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of, uh, um, it, to me, it's not really when they go, it's what's, what how has our life been up to that right like like quality of life what is it i mean like i said it, it can be a it can be um a whole topic in its own right because i've seen a lot of animals live a lot 
live longer, but not necessarily happier. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that a lot. And I, and I've seen, I've, I've, I've looked at animals and gone, yes, they're alive, but the amount of stress and drugs and vet visits and hospitalization, there's not a lot of animals that I know would rather not have that and just have more time with their, with their, with their family. Right. Like there's, there's a lot to be when you, when you talk about being conscious, conscious pet parents, when it comes to sick animals and animals that are old, like, like old, old animals of really trying to, when they're well, still, when your animals are well, still feeling like you said, Isla too, like, like really feeling, understanding your animal and understanding what they would want, right? So not necessarily what do you want, but what would they want? Yeah. Would they like to spend, you know, the, do they want, would, you know, do they really want to spend their last week in a vet hospital, hospitalized when we know that their prognosis is, is probably even let's say three months, yeah. right? Do they, do they want to spend their last week away from their family and in that energy? Or would they rather, would they rather be present and not full of drugs and, and, and spaced out? And because they aren't afraid of death like we are. Mm-hmm. So I think their process is different than possibly a lot of people, right? So like I said, it, it can be, it's a, it's a, it's probably going to, it could be a topic on its own because it's a very, it's a very, it's one that's very dear to my heart, euthanasia, because at my hospital, we did everything in our power to get to people's houses to do it. Like if we could, if we could, if we could make it work, even if it was like in the afternoon or we would have to like, we had such great, great clients, we would say to people, it's time for one of our, for one of our patients or whatever, are, are you okay to shift your appointment to another day so that we could actually go to the house? And we, we tried very hard to do that, but we had euthanasia rooms. We had, you know, supportive homeopathic remedies that we would want to support them to die at home naturally and not have to be euthanized. We had, you know, if, if worst case scenario, we often did them, we often did dogs in their cars. We would go out to people's cars and do them in their cars because it was like their second home. Mm. You know, they were, they felt safe. They thought they were going for car rides. It was a happy place, you know? So I think, I think like when you talk about death doulas or holding space, being prepared for that day and prepare. And when I say prepared, I don't just mean like all your T's crossed and your diet, you being prepared yeah. for what that, what that's about for you, for your animal, mm-hmm. for all of that. It's, 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 it's vitally important. You know, the, the, so like I said, it's a very, it's a very, a very um, near and dear to my heart probably because of my mom. I just thought about that right now, probably because that was what was important to my mom and my mom paid a a lot of attention to that. I did that at my hospital. I paid a lot of attention to, 
to um, end stage stuff when animals were old or they were in end stage diseases. What was that going to look like for them? How, how did I, I, you know, what I tried to do is I tried to hold the space for the pet parents. I tried to hold their space so that they could make a conscious decision, not based out of fear, but yeah. based from their heart. And that's, that's, um, that's a hard place to be when you can't speak to you. Well, you can, but mm -hmm. not a lot of vets support that belief yeah. that, you know, it's, it's all about, well, you have to, your animal can't speak to you. So you have to make this decision, yeah. right? It's like, well, actually you can, you can make that decision with your animal. Absolutely. given the space to be able to do it of, of not feeling guilty or, yeah. or, you know, but anyways, from my, from my perspective as well, it is, um, again, death is passing death and supporting guardians and like pet guardians, dog guardians, when that time is coming is, um, something that I find really beautiful and not because it's like, well, the dog is the animal's gonna pass i don't mean beautiful from that perspective but because it's something that we can so deeply honor it's like the final gift we can give our animal in their passing is is so important and that i mean that is something that i do offer and i find one of the most beautiful blessings that i can offer for the guardian and the animal because you can connect the animal to the point of the animal say i would like this and not this can i have this um it's amazing what comes through and i did the same like our uh, our latest dog that, that um, was ready to transition was Cola. And I, I, of course, I mean, the beauty is that I'm able to do this, but I just said to him, son, like, what, what do you need? What do you want? And he just was like, mom, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm like, not a problem. It's not, because like you said, Julianne, and, and you're right, this is off what happens in some of the ceremonies and connections I have with dogs where the time, the time to transition is maybe three months away, four months away, six months away. It's it's happening. And really what they're asking for is, I just want to be with my family. Yes, okay, you, it's adding days by having this treatment and that treatment. If it's adding days, but it's not adding day, it's not adding years, it's adding days to an existence where like, do you know what, I just want to be with my family. And there is some beautiful work that you can do to like even Amrish describes of like just doing this beautiful blessing you can go even further and go let's do a beautiful blessing that is specific to the animals and individual of what would the animal like what does the animal need how can we support the animal is about ready to pass so for me as well being like I'm very interested in talking about and sharing and being that space holder for passing and for death because I am not afraid of it and um, which I think is also hugely important when we are offering this to 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 pet parents to guardians when that time is coming and also with that perspective as well of going back to the whole concept of everything being vibration and energy and frequency because having to support the guardian that then they themselves might have trauma particularly with the pandemic where we are unable to take our animals to, we're not allowed to go into the vet practice with our animals and so i know many clients now that are having to hand over the animal to to be put to sleep to have that that transition um and it requires a strong heart but still we can keep that connection to go do you know what there are things we can still do to be in ceremony to support the animals, so that the animal's not alone, you're not alone, that everything is as best as we can set up so that that transitioning is peaceful and calm. And like you said, because our 
animals so this is just from my perspective i haven't obviously communicated to every animal in existence but from my perspective the animals that i've done these these ceremonies for sure they are they're distressed where there is pain but they're not distressed they're, they're not scared of they're not scared of death they're not scared of passing because there is from a soul perspective they're like and i'm going to be something else and my body is breaking down and my body is is in pain or i can't maintain this or i can't maintain that so it's almost like they're like like julie says their quality of life is at a point where they go this is no life for me so the final gift i can have is this offering some dogs do want to go natural some dogs want intervention but there isn't this fear that we that we have and again going back to that energy and vibration through our thoughts we then start to implicate oh how would we feel if this is us what it must be like when, when it's our time and it, it's a very different concept so again it's a, a final offering that we can give our dogs and make it well our animals and actually really beautify it there is a there is a beauty in in death um because death is just the end of the chapter like it's not the end of the book it's just the end of the chapter and of course from that point it's so it pulls on our heartstrings because we deeply miss the physical being that our animal was but we can there's there is a way that you can always connect to that animal and um, by going into the invisible realm and connecting which is something that can be really simple and for anybody that's like oh i can't do it i can't do it you can it's just like anything you know you go to the gym and if you go to the gym once a month you're not going to see a difference but practice 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 fall into that place of trust fall out of that place of fear and bang there you are connecting to your animal you know, I just, I think we all know a lot more than we give ourselves credit for with many things. And I think that with this way the world's going and the shifts that are happening in the world, I feel like the more we can tune into nature, tune into energy and tune into our animals, if we can do that, we're gonna, the, the, if we can do that, I think we'll make a shift. I think, I think that's what the world is asking us for. I think, I think the world is asking us to, to reconnect. That's what I honestly think is happening right now. And I think nothing can teach us how to reconnect better than nature and our animals. So, yeah. Okay. So, well, I want to thank everybody, Isla, Julianne, Steph, uh, Roni, and Melanie, who was with us earlier. I just, and all our listeners out there, I really want to thank everyone for making the time today. Um, I always appreciate it when there's this mind share of uh, like-minded people. And I always feel that, you know, uh, to sound very corny, we are on a quest, um, on, a, on a journey, on an adventure of self-learning and growth. And I actually look at death as like a pit stop in our quest. And it's just, you know, it's just a pause. And how, how we deal during that pit stop, that, that is something that we will talk about um, at next month's Circle Gathering. So thank you very much on behalf of everyone. I want to, I want to thank everyone for being together with us. Thank you. All thank right. you. Yeah, thank you so much. Many blessings, everybody, and look forward to the next monthly circle. See you all there. <laughs> okay. Hey. Have a good Bye. rest, everyone. Bye-bye. Stay Bye. safe. Wow. 
I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.